0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there.
1: Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls? Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. caller. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. It's Packernet, but not really. It's later, it's darker, and I don't even know exactly what that means. But thanks for joining me. If you would like to participate in Packernet After Dark, if you'd like to call into the show, you're welcome to do that. 608-501-0718. Call in, leave a message, and you're done. You've done your job. Thank you. With that said, let's get it started.
2: Hey, Ryan, is JJ. Hey. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes, um, because the numbers look pretty good through mm. the first two games yes. for the Chiefs, um, and some metrics will tell you that he's back to be invested in football again, and I'm curious what, like, SIS says about it. Right. Um, so, it seems to me that, um, and I haven't really sat down and watched his first two games, but over the last couple of years, last year in particular, it felt like his mechanics were just awful. And not that that's something we can see in the data without just watching his film, but I'm curious what SIS has to say about his on-target throws. Um, you know, number one, how, how accurate is he this year? And can you compare that to uh, the last few years? Um, I mean, 2018 – I think he was pretty phenomenal 2019 he was basically almost as good uh and then it seemed like 2020 he went backwards a lot in 2021 was you know just not good so I'm curious about how he's looking so far through the first two games um and our board the play. Seems like he had a just a boatload of them over the last two years how's he looking so far
1: yeah so that's I I love the question because this is an example of, um, what's funny is it, it kind of goes in reverse. What, what usually happens is somebody puts up baseline garbage stats that don't really give a full picture, right? Yards, completion percentage, touchdowns, interceptions. That's all anybody sees when it comes to quarterback. And Pat Mahomes is doing a good job with that. Um, as far as yardage, Pat Mahomes is sixth with 595 yards touchdowns. He's tied for first with seven, but he's the only one in that group with zero interceptions. So you can easily look at that and say he's doing one of the best. But you mentioned accuracy. And and when I talked to you, you were like, well, everybody's saying he's back to being super accurate. That's 100% coming from his completion percentage, which he ranks third, 73.0%. Gino's number one, believe it or not. So people look at completion percentage and call it accuracy. People look at yards, touchdowns, interceptions, and call it talent. When you look at, when I look at PFF, SIS, um, football outsiders, whatever other additional context there is, because we realize completion percentage yards, touchdowns, interceptions don't give a full picture. We look at it and then we report back to whoever, Twitter, and they lose their minds and say, hi, you're an idiot for relying on PFF." All the while, they're relying on garbage statistics. Now, granted, there's generally a correlation between being good and getting good yardage, right? Aaron Rodgers does a pretty... I mean, he's never really been a super high yards guy. But the touchdown-to-interception ratio and stuff like that, Devontae got a bunch of yards. He was good. There there tends to be somewhat of a correlation there, but it doesn't really give a good enough picture. So right off the bat, we'll just stick with PFF for just a minute before we move on to SIS. Um, When you add in some context... Pat Mahomes drops to 11th as far as his overall grade. He has a 69.9 overall grade. His passing grade is 10th. He's behind Aaron Rodgers, who is 5th. Remember, Rodgers hasn't really been himself. There's really only two quarterbacks right now that are destroying the world, and that's Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Everybody else is immaterial. But you're right, there's also big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays. He does have zero interceptions, but, but one thing that happens to Pat a lot, or, you know, sometimes there's these narratives that float around that aren't exactly true. One of them being, not saying it's not true, but one of the narratives that floats around is that Pat Mahomes throws a bunch of picks that get dropped. Well, we can look at how many times somebody threw basically an interception that didn't get caught. They're called turnover-worthy plays. It's a play that was worthy of a turnover. Well, if the DB couldn't have caught it, or a linebacker, or whoever, it wouldn't be turnover-worthy, would it? He has four turnover-worthy plays. So he has zero interceptions, but four of them could have been intercepted. By the way, of everybody else that had four turnover-worthy plays, there are at least two of them were intercepted. Kirk Cousins had three of them that were intercepted. So yes, he is extremely lucky with, or maybe just the way he throws the ball is hard to catch. I don't know what it is. There's something weird about it, but he's not doing a better job because he has lower interceptions. If you look at his turnover-worthy play percentage, 4.8%, nearly 5% of his passes are turnover-worthy. That puts him eighth in the NFL. Justin Fields is number one at 9.8%. <laughs> Almost 10% of his passes, uh, dude, is uh, only above Dak Prescott, so there you go. Likely will stay above Dak Prescott for the foreseeable future, because Dak, you know, probably not coming back for a while. Although he could get worse. So there's there's some general stuff with PFF. Um, actually, let's do a couple more here. Deep passing grade. One of the biggest things that I've noticed about Pat Mahomes, he's, he's seen as like this big, air it out, super accurate, you know, guy that can throw it 40 yards right on a dime. He's not at all that. On passes 20 yards or more, he has a 63.2 overall grade. He's completed three of eight passes. Now, it's 106 yards and a touchdown, so it looks good statistically, but three of eight. Three big-time throws, which makes sense because he, you know, Whatever and one turnover-worthy play, he ranks twenty-first. He's literally behind Trey Lance in that metric. But let's take a little peeksy at what uh, SIS has to say. So again, if you look at completion percentage, Pat Mahomes is third at seventy-three percent. If you look at how many of those passes are on target, though, he ranks sixteenth at seventy-one point two percent. Seventy-one point two percent of his passes are right on the money. Sixteenth. What about catchable passes, as in it's anywhere within the radius? whatsoever. He ranks 20th. Only 80.8% of his passes are even catchable. 8 out of 10. He's behind Marcus Mariota and one spot ahead of Mac Jones. I'm sorry, that's not good. Sounds to me like he's getting bailed out by his receivers who are doing a phenomenal job of just dropping nothing. And the DBs are doing a great job of making him look great by dropping all the interceptions. By the way, one thing I like to do is bump out the air yards, so eliminate every pass below five yards. His completion percentage drops to uh, 62.8%. He's sixth in the NFL. If you look at his on-target passes, how many of those passes are right on the money? 60.5%. He ranks 21st, one spot ahead of Tua, one spot below Mitch Trubisky. And then if you look at catchable passes, Pat Mahomes is the fourth worst Worst, I mean, it depends how you sort this out. Maybe maybe I need to add a couple more pass attempts in here. There, that helps him a little bit. Out of 34 quarterbacks, he's 28th. Catchable passes. Beyond five yards or more, Pat Mahomes, only 70% of his passes are catchable, 69.8. Seven out of 10 are catchable beyond five yards. Justin Fields is dead last with 50%. (laughs) Burned him. And then again, looking at deep passes, um... Completion percentage, even with that, he drops to 12th. 42.9% of those passes have been caught. If you look at his on target passes, he ranks 20th, 42.9, which is the same as his catchable passes, which puts him 25th out of 30 quarterbacks on 20 or more yard passes. He is one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. He's not accurate. Now, it, it, the, it's obvious that he does a very good job working within the system and getting enough passes where they need to be, probably making the right decisions at the right time in a great system that sees a lot of guys open. But if we're just talking accuracy, he is not an accurate quarterback. And I don't care what his completion percentage is, for crying out loud. A throwaway will ding your completion percentage. Getting hit as you throw will ding your completion percentage. It's such a useless stat. I mean, before we had advanced statistics and things like this, it was the best we had to work with other than watching it and charting it yourself. We have much better things to look at now. And I'm telling you, the dude is not super accurate. Productive, yes. He'll get the yards, he'll get the touchdowns, he'll get the wins. I'm not calling him a bad quarterback. I'm just telling you he's not accurate. That's it. So hope that answers your question. Anyways, I appreciate the opportunity to allow me to uh, just make fun of other teams I don't like. So there you go.
3: Hey, Ryan. Uh, that's my last call. It sounds up. Like- you there, Trevor? I, guess what? I still sounded really fast. I'm going to try to slow
1: it down now. All
3: right. Uh, probably good. be trying to get all my thoughts in there. But there anyway, um, great win last night for the team. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Watkins seemed to have a big day. I can't wait to hear how all the Packers fans try to say uh, that, you know, everybody thought Sammy was going to be terrible. It's, it's one week. is isn't, isn't the whole season, but, you know, everybody probably is going to say, oh, he's probably going to get injured next week anyway. Not giving any credit for the good week he had.
1: I'm going to pause there for a second. The other funny dynamic of that is the fact that uh, Julio Jones was injured this week. So, you know, but and, and here's the thing. You, you can say that, okay, it's just one week or whatever, but how much grace were you given when Julio went off, quote-unquote, went off last week? He caught, what, two passes or something? I don't know. But he, he had a semi-big game last week. Did anybody say, hey, it's just one week, it's not a big deal, let's not freak out about it? No. It was, you bunch of morons took Sammy Watkins when you could have had Julio. Well, Julio was injured, and Sammy had a great day week, too. I don't know what Julio's going to do. I don't know what Sammy's going to do. Probably don't need to overreact to either. But for that reason, you can go ahead and, and gloat a little bit if you feel so inclined.
3: Um, other than that, I know you're talking about A.J. Dillon. They're not being much there for him. I, just, I felt like he was running kind of weird yesterday. I don't know if you noticed it too, or maybe if you get a chance to watch the game back. Maybe I'm just remembering, but I'm you know, thinking of a few times. I know like he, he'd be getting up field, and he'd kind of like stop in place. Like he was trying to decide where to go, and I know there was one time towards the end of the game I'm thinking of. He like ran, got like near the line of scrimmage, and there were no defenders there yet. But I think he just had the backs of all his linemen, and I don't know. It seems like a lot of running backs would just like run into and through their linemen, you know, get that extra push, just get some yards. But I don't know. I think like he
1: was. Run- I'm I'm gonna check it out after the game, but I I think I think Dylan is a run from structure guy. He wants to follow the way the play is designed, and I don't think the offensive line did a necessarily a fantastic job. Just my assumption, I don't know. But if he's similar to the issue that Aaron Rodgers is having, right? The guy's open, throw it. Well, he's he's there, and he's supposed to be over there. Okay, he's open, throw it, right? Um, I, I, think, I think Dylan is somewhat similar in that my job is to attack this guy's back shoulder, and so I'm going to go here, but his back shoulders on the ground and this guy's over there so it's it's like the play is not going like it's supposed Aaron Jones thrives in that he doesn't care he knows what the play is supposed to be he's going to follow it if that's not the case a little f- switch goes on in his brain and he he goes into heat seeking mode and he just finds that open spot and he goes and he'll go until it's not open anymore and then he'll find the next one he's he's a freak he's he's just he's just special AJ Dillon's a great running back but I don't know if he has that ability, at least he certainly has not developed that ability yet to simply say the original play that we drew up is gone. It's in the garbage because Royce is getting blown up. And so now and so, you know, a lot of times, yeah, he he pauses and hesitates because what he's supposed to do isn't there. And I think a lot of times what he does is he turns into Jamal Williams. At that point it's not there. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to push forward as hard as I can. And he gets three yards on it. Right. So a lot of people are going to look at that and blame AJ Dillon and say he didn't have a good day. He's not that good. I think he did fine. There just wasn't anything to work with, but I'll go back and check and see. But I, I really doubt there's these, you know, beautiful lanes for him to run through and he just didn't do it.
3: He, kind of, he wasn't, he was not know if i not being decisive, but I feel like he wasn't running full speed a lot of the time. Um let so me know your thoughts on that if you notice anything similar or maybe I'm just crazy. Uh, but yeah, go back, go.
1: That's, yeah, and again, that's just my initial thought. I don't know. Maybe he had an off day. I don't know, but again, PFF graded him out just fine. So I don't, I don't think that was the case. I, I think a lot of his, a lot of the issues came. He he just got hit right away, and so I, I actually want to look at next gen stats a little bit too and kind of see some of that stuff. I'm not gonna do it right now, but um, just just to kind of get a fuller idea of what exactly happened there.
3: Hey, back, daddy. It's Nate again. Hey. I forgot to get your thoughts on one more thing. Do you think that Brady should be getting taunting penalties when he does things like this? Like it's not the first time that he's been the one initiating this trash talk. And this time he literally started that huge brawl. Um, and now, you know, he hurt his own team because um, he he ended up getting one of his own players suspended or one of his teammates suspended. So uh, I don't know why he didn't get called for it. I don't know if there's a technicality in the rule for why him shouting something doesn't, doesn't, you know, call a taunting penalty. I don't know. Um, Maybe the HML needs
1: to answer. All right, go back, go. Uh, I don't know. First of all, I'm pretty positive he did not start it. Prior to Brady even getting over there, Marshawn Lattimore was screaming at the sideline, and you could tell the sideline being like, get out of here, you idiot. So he's, he's jawing at the mouth. He's the one instigating everything. He's the one making comments to Tom Brady, and Brady got upset, and then he went after him. Now, has Brady done this in the past and caused things, and should we be looking at the first person to say a word? I don't think so because here's here's the situation. There are certain things that I think we should we should be tolerating. Right. I don't want to get to a point in the NFL where which, by the way, they've started doing this and it's it's absurd and it makes me upset. But You get to the point where somebody makes a comment and then then they get flagged for it because you're instigating. Right. Whether or not the person reacts or whatever, it's kind of immaterial, isn't it? What sense does it make? I mean, if, if I'm like, hey, man, you stink. Should I be flagged for that? No. Well, what if I say, "Hey man, you stink," and the guy gets up and starts drop-kicking the referees? Suddenly, I'm going to get penalized for that? No. The the reality is how you handle it is your problem, right? I mean, this is this is like being a parent 101. If one of your kids walks over and grabs a french fry off the other kid's plate, and that kid gets up and punches the kid that the the, the, thigh, the fry thief in the face, I mean, I, I Depending on what happened, I may have a talk with the kid that had a black eye and be like, you can't be stealing french fries, dude. That's kind of messed up. But clearly, the, it's not going to be, well, you know, the 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 major infraction is on the the fry thief because they started it. No, you don't get to punch people in the eye because somebody did something that you don't like. And so, you know, the, the, the line in the sand is keep your hands to yourself. You can't walk over and blast somebody to the ground. You can't start swinging at people. Yeah, Tom Brady was running his mouth. Marshawn Lattimore is the one that started running his mouth. So, if anybody's going to get thrown out or, or fined or whatever for instigating this, it was clearly Marshawn Lattimore, in my opinion. Brady was one of the guys. I mean, the entire Bucs sideline was chirping at him. Tom Brady was chirping at him. You had a bunch of other people in the scrum. I mean, if Tom Brady's getting fined or, or suspended or whatever, the Bucs are just going to have to forfeit next week. So, I don't know. Maybe you can find an example of where somebody would have deserved it or earned it, but. I think trash talk is part of the game, and, and there's a lot of guys who thrive on that. They get inside people's heads. There's guys who who their entire career has just been getting punched in the face because they talk so much, or punched in the face mask. I guess it's just what they do. They get in your head. They talk, and yeah, they cause fights. I'm 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 making you mad. That's what I do. Should we penalize that? No. Let it, let people get in people's heads. If they can't handle it emotionally, then good. Let them get suspended. Now, yeah, Brady hurt his own team, so. If that was his malicious plan, which again I don't think it was because he didn't instigate it at all, then it then it backfired. But I just think the Bucks hate Marshawn Lattimore. I think this is I mean, I know it's been a long standing thing with Lattimore, you know, and and uh and Evans going back and forth, and I'm I'm sure they just really dislike each other. So when Marshawn makes a play, he starts chirping and the entire Bucks sideline, including Brady and everybody, kinda of gets upset and it becomes a big thing. But the point at which you start finding people or suspending people is the point at which they start breaking major rules, which is physical altercation, Which personally, I, I couldn't really care less. I mean, granted, if you don't punish it, it's going to get out of hand. But I don't know if I care. I mean, do, do I care if there's like brawls every game? No, I don't care. What are they going to do? They push each other? They've been hitting. They, they hit each other ten times harder on a kick return than than a you know haymaker into a face mask. Worst thing that's going to happen: is the dude's going to break his own hand. Oh well. So what? I mean, this is all, we don't want this for, you know, families trying to watch TV games, which, I mean, who cares? We're pretty protective of our kids, and, you know, we we, we have to, I have to pause the TV when, like, scary commercials come on. I promise you, I'm not going to have to pause the TV when a fight happens. There's 10 times worse. The, the, com- the advertisers you're worried about are posting commercials that are 10 times worse than a fight on a football field, so don't worry about it. I don't know, the whole thing's stupid. Who cares? Who cares? Let them fight. Let them yell. Let them scream. Let them make fun of people. Let them taunt. Bring taunting back. Who cares? Well, it's childish. Yeah, so what? Why do you have to penalize being childish? I don't understand. Like it you don't have to be to the point where everything I don't like should be disallowed. I don't think people should do it, therefore it should be punished. That doesn't make sense. It's stupid. So what? Let people be stupid. So dislike them for being stupid, but you don't have to penalize them. You don't have to cause fifteen more flags in a game and suspensions and all this stuff because somebody's talking and taunting and who cares? And I know Nate that the, the crux of your question is if somebody's going to get thrown out, it should be Brady for being a constant instigator. I get it. I'm not talking directly at you. I'm just saying in general, this whole thing to me is stupid. Forget the whole thing. It's a football game. They're hitting each other. They hate each other. Good. Good. Make it violent. I don't care. That, that's what makes it entertaining. That's what makes a Bucks saints game super exciting is the fact that Evans and, and Lattimore hate each other so much. And if it gets to the point where they start swinging, sweet. Heck yeah, dude. Let's uh, get a little intermission going here. I dig it. Care, they're gonna be fine. They're wearing padding. Nobody's gonna get hurt in a fight. Nobody has ever been injured. Has anybody gone on IR because of a fight in a football game? Ever? You've seen more people get injured jumping up and catching a pass and coming down and landing weird on their knee than you find in fights in a football game. I've never seen anyone even so much as sprain their elbow in a fight. I wouldn't be surprised if you rarely find a bruise. Who cares? Being babies about everything. Grown men settle in their differences. Let them handle it. Anyways.
3: Hey, uh, I have one more thing. Um, Chris Collinsworth, oh I know you The you announcements know, too, and like probably weren't listening to them, but. Here we go. The Dylan handoff was all Rogers' fault. Um, and it seemed like very poor commentary saying how Rogers was in Dylan's way. Um, I don't know. Not that Rogers is perfect or anything, but. I think I'm more leading towards trusting Rodgers knew where he
1: expected. To- Just going to stop you real quick. Rogers admitted it was his bad. So I don't. I, I I agree. That was my first thought too. Was you know I trust both of these guys, Rogers and Dylan. But if I had to guess, Rogers is not going to cause a fumble on a handoff for crying out loud. How many handoffs has he done perfectly? It doesn't make any sense. But he admitted he said it was his bad. He messed up. He was standing in the wrong spot and it caused a fumble. So I'll let I'll let it, be, I'll it is is
3: play out. Be engaged or something, but. Um, definitely seemed like Dylan was running the wrong way. Seemed like Rodgers was expecting him to go outside and Dylan was coming on the inside of Rodgers. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you think there? Do you think that play was Dylan's fault? Was it miscommunication? I mean, obviously in this game, it didn't end up being a huge deal, but you do something like that against Tampa next week. Right. And probably going to be a different outcome to the finish of the game because one turnover like that can decide the game. So. Just to know your thoughts on that. Uh, obviously, this isn't like a recurring problem for Dylan or anything, but definitely seemed like his fault to me. Um, and I guess a little blame on Rogers too. At that point, when it seemed like Dylan was in the wrong spot, maybe you just tuck it and take the loss and don't try to force the ball over there. But,
1: I thought anyway. that, yeah. Go Paco. I thought that too, to be honest. Um, so, first of all, you're right. This, this is and Rogers talks constantly about mental errors, and he, he even mentioned that. That goes for me too. And this is one of them. You can't do stupid stuff like this, but there is also a little bit of that. There needs to be an element of, listen, if, if, and maybe it just takes a couple of these plays to realize how devastating it is to, to try to force the play to work because you're, you're obviously you're down there and you really want it to work. And I think I can pull this off, but there gets to be a point where it's like, you know, this, something is very wrong just grab the ball and and see if there's anything to run for. If not, just fall down. At least we get to live for another day. If nothing else, we're getting a field goal out of this. We don't want to risk this being, you know, if you've got a running back running into your chest, I don't hate the rule that says just fall down with the ball because nothing's worth giving the ball to the other team. So there there might be some kind of discussion about that, but hopefully that shouldn't ever, ever, ever happen again under Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if I've, I've I, I don't know. I, I would be stunned to find out it's happened more than five times in his career where he caused a fumble on a handoff because he stood in the wrong spot. You know what I mean? But I will say this though, and, and I was kind of conflicted because I was I was thinking about it. And the frustrating thing was they're doing so much. It really is a lot. There's so much motion. And this guy goes here and he goes, you know, and it's, it's funny because you'll have, it's like Rogers is in shotgun and then Christian Watson runs in front of him and then the ball snapped. And then they'll do it's like even the way that they hand things off it's it's almost like you turn one way and then you turn back around because you're you're pretending to hand off to the one guy and then you hand it off to the other guy so it's it's just there's so many moving parts to all these little things and every play like i said seems like a different play they're they're just digging so deep in every little nuanced thing and it seems like it's even getting to rogers a little bit and at one point i was like you know Maybe we just dial it back a little bit and stop trying to be so confusing and so crazy, like when Christian Watson came across the formation. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, you can't do that. That's what makes this offense so dynamic. It's the complexity. So you got to take the, the bad with the good, I guess. I don't want to say, let's stop doing motion, because your center might snap it into the guy's you know chest as he's running across the formation. No, clean it up. It's the same thing I said about the defense in week one. We don't need to change our defensive scheme and, you know, fire Joe Barry and go get a guy that likes to play man coverage because two safeties had a terrible day. No, do it right. Do it right. But yeah, that that thought kind of occurred to me that it was like, there's just so much going on that even Rodgers is getting confused and the mental errors. And it's like, at some point you kind of get to the point where it's like, nothing's worth this, you know, but they don't get down the field as well as they did if they don't have that style of offense. So again, you got to take the good with the bad.
3: Hey, Ryan, uh, third call today. All good. Get going to start calling me Thomas Austin. Um,
1: <laughs> where is Tom? I
3: just heard where you said Rogers took blame for the bubble. Oh, there and you I go. went on a whole long thing about that. Yeah.
4: You
3: um, might have already responded to it, but if not,
1: feel free to ignore yeah, that now.
3: Sorry. Because I guess I'm just wrong. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that was it. Go back up.
1: Sorry, right, man. No, I, I I literally had the exact same thought. There's no way. I shouldn't say no way, but very unlikely Rodgers is to blame for this. Um, I mean, it's pretty unlikely Dylan would be to blame, but it'd be a lot easier to believe that Dylan messed that up or or something happened. You know, I I don't even know if there was motion, but Watson came across, he was too close, so I had to kind of scooch, and then he, you know, the timing was wrong. I'd I'd be willing to blame anybody but Rodgers on that, but Rodgers just flat out said, yeah, that was my bad, so. And she Hey, Ryan,
5: this is O.G. Boomer from Germany again. What up? Uh, I'm feeling better, good uh, after my week one meltdown, yep, That's and good. um you know i'm I was sober for a few days, yeah, I got over the game after a while, but I felt I had to cover that right away, get it out of the way, and I apologize to the other caller who seemed to think I was a knee breed <laughs> um because oh. you know I was a little bit beyond that <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to get that out of the way, so. I got a tough question and it has nothing to do with the bears. Well, I could ask two more, but let's go with this. We're in almost in October already. Right. And so I'm thinking ahead. Okay. I have a grill. My wife's in the States visiting her son and my daughter's there too. So they're having this little thing. Well, they're coming back towards the end of October. I want to plan something really cool for Thanksgiving and I had a grill, and my question has to do with, oh, and I have a deep fryer. So my question has to do with, what can I do besides a grill and a deep fryer other than get a damn smoker, right? I don't know. Do you do smoked turkeys?
1: You wait, no, man. I'd answer. like to get your insights on that. Maybe, Sorry. Sorry. Maybe Sorry, I was slacking. I, I I didn't know if you are going to keep going there. Uh, nice. Thank you for leaving me that pause there to answer it. Um, I don't think I have ever done a smoked turkey, which seems crazy. I've been saying I've been wanting to do it forever, but I have not done it. I did try a chicken once. It didn't go very well. I'm blaming bad thermometers though. It it was, it was kind of tough though, because the outside was getting real black before the inside was, was kind of getting cooked. I was kind of surprised by that. It was, it was fine. It was just a lot of smoke on the skin and everything, but, um, I think it ended up getting over the, the vegetables I put like on this little tray that I was going to cook with it. Cause it was a whole thing that Weber makes where you can like, you know, prop up your chicken to make the beer can. Chicken comes with a little can and then there's a tray to put vegetables in. Nothing got timed out properly. I think like every, all the veggies and everything were undercooked. The chicken was overcooked. It was, it was a complete disaster. So I, I should have just done a chicken and tried to focus on the chicken and everything. And I, it just, it didn't work out very well. Um, I do have a thought. I know turkey is the best way to go for Thanksgiving and everything, but if, if you're willing to try a ham, it's very doable and you can do it on a grill because it comes pre-cooked. Basically with a ham, you're just reheating it on the grill. And uh, the first ham I made was kind of a disaster because I bought a, first of all, it wasn't a spiral cut ham. So I had to cut it myself, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was and it was annoying and it was a pain to try to cut it and it sucked. So get a spiral cut ham and get one that comes with a a package of stuff that comes with it. Because I bought one and it's got all these flavors in it which were disgusting and I hated the flavor of it. I forget what it's called. I keep forgetting what it's called. But there there's like the seasonal, like wintery Thanksgiving y flavor that is gross and I don't like it. And um anyways it was it was in this ham glaze and it was gross. But you get a ham that comes with a little package of glaze. I, I made that last year, I think for Christmas or Thanksgiving. I don't know. But it was it was it's phenomenal. And so again, you just put it on a smoke or you put it on your grill, but you can smoke it. You put the the briquettes to one side, you light them up, you let it roll Is you know low temperature. We're just heating up the ham, getting some good smoke on it, keep rotating it a little bit just to kind of make sure you don't get too black in one spot or whatever. And then uh, toward the end, you just put the glaze on, get a little brush to spread it around. Actually, you might even do that after you take it off. I'm not positive. Either way, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. You're just reheating it with a grill, but you get a ton of smoke flavor on it because it's cold and it takes a long time to heat up a ham. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's very, very easy, very, very forgiving, and it's, it's very, very delicious. That would be a thought. Sorry, continue.
5: Come up with some kind of a plan to really do it nice, you know, this time. I mean, normally I just deep fry a few turkeys and we all have a good time.
1: Yeah, that's also a good option.
5: On. Even my wife commented about a smoker not long ago. Yeah, she's like, smoker. Oh yeah, that's right. She was at my brother's house and he has a smoker. And she said we were we were skyping or whatever they call it now. And she said, hey, smoker, we got to get one. Okay, so she's on board. There's no, you know, no uh, trips to the finance minister or (laughs) to the budget spreadsheet or anything like that. Mama. Once
1: it, it's
5: going to happen, there you, you know how go. that goes. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, anyway, this is long. Let to go. Give me your thoughts. What do you think? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? What are you going to cook? Thanks, bro. One and one forward.
1: Yeah, I don't know about Thanksgiving. I haven't really thought that far ahead, but um, I will say you can get smokers pretty cheap. I mean, even if you want to get the, uh, the traditional pellet grills that everybody's buying now, um, which are super easy, set it and forget it type stuff. Those those are coming pretty cheap now. I mean, I went out and got like the big Papa, you know. I mean, I, I got the cheap model, the the Pit Boss, the Walmart brand thing, which works fine. But um, I got like the really big, it's got like the 30 pound hopper or whatever, 30 gallon hopper or whatever, which, which actually that is kind of nice. I, I would say don't skimp on the hopper because if you're doing like an overnight pork butt cook, you don't want to have to set alarms twice in the middle of the night to refill the hopper. And you certainly don't want to wake up the next day to an empty hopper and find out that this thing's cold and it's just been not doing anything. Um, but if you if you don't want to go that route, route, you can get even cheaper. They've got, for example, Weber has what's called a, the Weber Smoky Mountain. People rave about that thing. And it's real cheap. You can do what I did. I, I got a, a Weber grill that functions as a smoker. It doesn't have very much surface area but it's bigger so that you can use it more so as a smoker. You know, good good enough for most things. But yeah, you can look around a little bit. Even if you want to get uh real hardcore and get you one of them stick burners. Those things are are dirt cheap. Now they they they're really high. I, I don't know, I've never done it, but they're really hard to do. Basically what you're what you're paying for aside from from quality overall with a stick burner when you talk about high priced um uh you know, stick burner grills or, or smokers. It's, it's ease. The problem with some of the cheap ones is they're so flimsy, a lot of heat escapes. The smoke is not, it kind of leaks out a little bit. So trying to maintain consistent smoke and consistent temperature is really hard. So you kind of have to just sit out there and tend to it a lot. The big ones, you know, they, they got those ones that are put on the back of a trailer that are as big as a truck. They only put food, I mean, depending on what they're doing, but a lot of these guys will only put food on like the end or on, on a couple little spots. But all that area and, and quarter inch thick you know, steel or whatever they're using on these things, the, the point is it's such a perfectly consistent, I mean, they'll, they'll put logs in there, they can walk away and it'll just hold a perfect temperature and, and, and a good amount of smoke and everything. And the convection pulling smoke across, which is really important. They get these giant stacks on there because the bigger the stack and the longer it is, the more air is being pulled through. And so you're getting more convection, which makes it actually cook faster. And it actually does some kind of weird scientific thing that breaks down the meat more. So you get massively tender food, but you're also getting more smoke because you're getting the smoke coming across it faster and everything. So it's, But you can still make really high quality stuff. And if you're willing to put in the work, you can get a really cheap, high quality flavor from a stick burner. But I don't know, you you can do your own research. I've never gone that route. Don't know if I ever will, but you know, just a thought. I don't know. But you're right. As long as your if your wife's one saying, "Hey, we should get it," then then it's then it's a go. There's just no, there's nothing that's going to stop it at that point. It's just a matter of you know figuring out which one, I guess. Uh, why don't we take a break right here? If you'd like to call in, 608-501-0718 is the number to call. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people.
5: Um, this is another call, OG. Hey, um, what up, OG? I don't know. I guess I will talk about the Bears a little bit. That a boy. Now, listen to what you're saying. I understand what you're saying about the run blocking. Yeah. But I have a problem because I watched the same game. Okay. I don't have a big problem. You know, just a little bit, a few times I noticed myself, I caught myself the sort of contrarianly thinking along what you were saying was when it comes to the run block I, I, I don't know. I saw the running backs, especially Jones. I saw him, uh, Dylan too, but I saw Jones having to make two or three really hard, you know, plant cuts just to get three yards. And right. then, he'd, you know, he'd break. But I never, I never, I don't remember seeing a hole. That you normally see when, when teams are running all over you. Right. You know what I mean? In other words, when you have like, uh, uh, just a blocking machine up front, you can get, you know, look at Tennessee or whatever, but I never saw holes like that. So I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah, I may walk that back up just a little bit about how great we are at run blocking. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah. So that's about it for them.
1: Yeah, apparently I contradict myself constantly because I, I, I've i been saying that I think we're struggling in run blocking, but I also apparently at some point said we're doing a really good job. Um, I, again, I think the issue is consistency. I know there's holes. And the problem with the TV copy, and I remember this going back pre-Eddie Lacey, it felt like we had a terrible run blocking offensive line. Like we just could never do anything. But you can't see from the side because the holes go side to side. So there's no, you don't have good enough depth perception to say this guy is, You know, a yard and a half or two yards or five yards away from that guy, which creates a hole. All you can see is whether the running back, you know, disappears into the pile and comes out the other side. So, once I look at that all twenty-two, they give you that that other angle, and that's really where you can see not just if there is a hole, but who's blocking who and who's doing a good job or whatever. But no, I agree. I I think, like I had said just a little bit ago, I think Aaron Jones did a better job because it was more of an Aaron Jones type of game, and that is to say, you know, first of all, really small holes really fleeting uh holes which is to say it's there for just a flash of a second he has a magical ability of seeing it and getting through it right before it closes and i just i don't think dylan's that guy i think he's a great running back i think he's got great speed and great power but i don't think he's the guy i mean it he's he's very similar to what we said about christian watson with that speed but you take his speed plus his size and his weight and he's just not going to have the the ability to cut and be shifty like Jones does. It's just, I don't think he'll ever get to that point. So I think Dylan probably needs a a better run-blocking offensive line, but that's that's perfectly fine. You look at Derrick Henry when he was at his peak in Tennessee when that offensive line was dominant, and, and they're a great running team. I mean, you put Dylan with the 49ers um, or any of these teams that just do a great job of, of creating open lanes to run through. You know, Baltimore, he's going to carve you up like crazy. But if, if you don't have a good run-blocking offensive line... Granted, most running backs aren't going to be able to do anything, including Aaron Jones for the most part, but he has just such great escapability and vision and everything to to make something out of nothing that that I, I don't know that I've really ever seen since, you know, Barry Sanders and, you know, like the guys like that, where his entire highlight reel is there's nothing here and he's running 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and making guys miss all over the, you know, it's a it's a 45 second play before he crosses the line of scrimmage and he ends up getting 60 yards or something. So yeah, I I, I just, I have to go back and see it. And that's what I'm going to do right after this. Um, But I actually have too much to do. I I really should get some more clips for the Vikings and everything so that I can record the podcast. But whatever. I do what I want. Um, We just got a call from a new caller. So we'll see uh, who the new caller is. And uh, we'll do that thing.
4: Hello, Ryan. Hey. This is Montana Jim.
1: Montana Jim. I moved from Montana four years ago to be
4: closer to my two daughters who live in the Green Bay area. We live in Green Bay now. All right and my daughter and I went to the Bears game over the weekend, and I just wanted to tell you that it was very loud. There we go. Everybody was doing their part
1: to me in their 20s. Sorry, I I always pause the wrong one. I wanted to pause him, and I paused you, so you missed a couple seconds. I can never stop doing that. I told you as soon as I said the crowd wasn't being loud enough, I was going to have people tell me that the crowd was loud. That happens every time. All I can say is, I know what loud sounds like on TV, because I've heard it, and compared to other stadiums, including the Chiefs' stadium, which they're not in a dome, so you can't say, well, the Vikings are in a dome. Okay, well, I know what the Chiefs' stadium sounds like. Secondarily, when you got um, the the head coach and everybody trying to beg you to please, they're getting to the line, hurry, get louder. You know, I mean, it's one thing to be really loud, like right at when they snap the ball on third down, but there's, it's like dead silent on second down. There's nothing. There's nothing on first down. There's nothing on second down. And when they're in the huddle on third down, which is also very important that you're loud because that's when the play is coming in and they need to be able to hear it. The 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 build-up for how long it takes for everybody to get up to to full volume is it drives me nuts. Like just immediately. Like the second down plays over. Let's go. Let's go. Noise. Instantly. Come on. Scream. Yell. So, anyways, I apologize. Montana, I'll give you you, you were there, so I'll give you the uh The benefit of, of, you know, having been there.
4: Probably. And she was holding her ears because it was so loud. We were right on the, uh, about halfway up on the goal line in the south end zone. So uh, whenever Justin Fields was down there, we knew we were him. And uh, so I think contrary to what the media portrays as Packer fans are just sitting around, we were.
1: By the way. Sorry to interrupt you again. The other thing that's annoying, and, and again, this is ninety percent of Packer fans are doing the right thing, but it's not the media portraying anything. I can see on the camera that's looking, you know, past Justin Fields, past our defense into the stands, that guy sitting there on his butt drinking a beer. Right. I and it's just it's a group of people that are just sitting there. And yeah, there's some people that are making noise and banging on the thing, but I'm looking right at him. <laughs> so I can see, I know it wasn't you. Um, and I'm sure it's it's you know loud as far as what the the girl was able to handle as far as as volume goes. But um, I don't know. I I think I think next time you'll have to go to a Vikings game or something and compare and contrast the the noise levels because I I think I think we're lacking a couple decibels compared to some other stadiums.
4: Very loud. I just wanted to reassure you that that we were doing our part, and I think we made. Uh... Justin fields look like a very uh, I guess terrible quarterback no matter what uh, friends in uh, Illinois say so I think we did our part so I uh, just wanted to say go pat go and I love your uh, your podcast and thank you uh, Clayton I think uh, we're I'm a redneck from Montana and he's a redneck too so I, I really <laughs> love the way he he does his podcast too so Take care. Have a good day. Bye.
1: And and again, I, I really want to emphasize 90% are doing the right thing, right? But it's just, it's too slow. It's not enough. And and again, you absolutely cannot convince me that you weren't making, not you specifically, too much noise while the Packers are on offense, right? So this isn't a media concoction, and I certain, I've been there, right? I was the only guy making any amount of noise. And I, I remember it was, it was almost like, It probably depends what section you're in. You might have been in a in a better section, but the section I was in the last game I went to, you don't get up or make noise on first and second down. You just don't do it. Like I, you you just you're not supposed to even stand. So I had to be that guy on first and second down, and then on third down again, it was the same thing where everybody's sitting. The second down is over, everybody's still sitting. It's like they want to wait, you know, just sit comfortably until like they break the huddle, and then I'll stand up and start making a little bit of noise. At that point, it's too late. So I, I just think there needs to be some education among fans, if they even care. I don't know. There there just needs to be, before a game, like just put a video up there like, listen, if you don't want to help the team, that's fine. You don't have to. You paid a ticket, you get to sit there and be whatever kind of fan you want to be, that's on you. If you'd like to help, you need to make noise. Stand up and make noise on first down, second down, and especially third down, fourth down, whatever situations. If they're in the red zone and you're sitting and not making noise at any point, just go to the concession stand or something. Get, get, go. On offense, you don't whisper to the person next to you, okay? Be quiet. By the way, I saw somebody tag me in a, in a thing on Twitter. Apparently somebody got headbutted by a Packer fan for standing the entire game or making too much noise or something. Something to that effect, saying, I never thought I would... End up getting headbutted by a fellow Packer fan for standing too much or something, but here we are, is what the tweet said. So there are issues, there's no question. So I'm I'm glad to hear that it was very loud there. I guess I'm just comparing it to very loud stadiums, and it just seems like Lambo doesn't, doesn't match up. And, and it's not that it can't get loud because we've heard it. I know there have been times when I've come on this podcast and said, hey, you guys did awesome. I could hear you just bleeding through my television. It's very loud. But it's, again, maybe my bigger issue with the whole thing isn't that they don't have the ability to be loud. It's that you don't hear peak volume until they're just about to snap on third down. What the heck is the point of that? The major, the most important parts is when they're in the huddle, when the quarterback is trying to communicate to everybody else and the offensive line is trying to communicate, and then the snap. That's the reason why you want to be loud. There's also like motivating the defense and getting them all fired up too, but that's not all you're doing. Like, I want to cheer after they snap so that Rashawn gets fired up and, and tries to attack somebody. No, you don't want them to hear the call coming into the headset. The second that second down play, again, assuming we're not doing anything on first and second down, which I don't agree with, but assuming we're doing nothing on first and second down, the second that that second down play is done, you get on your feet and you start making noise. That would be, that would be my thought on that situation, but, you know, whatever. Montana Jim, thank you for the call. Really appreciate it, and uh, glad you got to have fun with your kids at uh, the game.
3: Hey, Brett, that is. Hey. Draft copyist. Call him back. And just want to let you know, I'm still so hyped about the game yesterday. Yes, sir. Monday night, 4 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. And the excitement hasn't worn off at all. This is what Packers fans have been clamoring for for a long time ever since the McCarthy era. Let's run the ball. That's true. Let's put in two running backs. Let's have Dylan block for Aaron Jones. We're doing it all in a work hard. Perfection. Thank you. That's all.
1: I'll take your answer off the air. So, uh, it is funny because a lot of times fans will scream for things, and I'll sit here and be like, Listen, we don't know why they're doing it, but we need to kind of just like calm down. We obviously don't know what we're talking about. We're just fans, they're the coaches, they'll figure it out. But I'll, I'll you know, I wouldn't be surprised if 60 to 70% of the time the fans, that things fans have been screaming for have been right. As much as I, I completely mock and ridicule the obsession with wide receivers, which is wrong 90% of the time, wide receiver takes across the board are always wrong with fans. But there's a lot of other stuff that's been right. I don't think anybody but the Packers wanted Jake Hansen playing football. Packer fans were right. Packer fans have been screaming for running the ball more. That's correct. Packer fans wanted two running backs. Didn't really seem to be any reason other than it's kind of cool, but we're doing it a lot more now. It seems like the team is slowly doing more and more, not because it's what the fans say, but just based on trial and error and doing things and coming finally coming to the conclusion that this is the best thing and that best thing just happens to be what fans have been screaming for. So especially this year, I mean, again, my whole 53 was all jacked up because I was like, I don't know, this is what the Packers do. And it's like, nope, Christian Watson is our dude. Romeo Dobbs is our dude. Uh, even Lazard, you know, he got a bunch of snaps, but you know they they thrust him into that number one role, and you know it's his first day back, so he's a little rusty. That's fine. We'll give him some grace, but if if that's his performance, he's going to get pushed to the bottom of the pile real fast. And this is going to be the Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs show in about fifteen seconds. Again, I, I'm not trying to trash him. I'm just saying there was there was nothing. He gave him a ton of ton of snaps, and he he produced very little from that. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of things that that a lot of fans have come back that I've seen recently where it's like, I told you we've been saying forever. And it's like, yeah, I, you're, I can't, can't uh, disagree. You guys have been saying that since forever. And I've been sitting back saying, come on, let's, let's just stop. You don't know what you're talking about, but there you go. Good enough.
6: All right. Steve up in Alaska again, man. Hey, how you doing? Good been a little while since I've called them up uh, in the middle of shutting down my barbecue stand for the season. It's
1: already fall,
6: fall. up here. The fall colors are in pretty heavy. And, uh, getting ready to move into a new place I just purchased. So I've been nice. been busy and I haven't had time to sit down and call, but hey, you have been doing a great job. Uh, the, the start of the season there, that first game you covered, I felt pretty well with the, the ideas and the look at, you know, it was a terrible game, but it's it's not something new and it's early. So nobody should panic. And uh, I think this game kind of goes to a point I made earlier about playing in the run game more, um, we look good. The two back offense yep. and, and having two guys, it's, it's old school, but it works great. You put both of them on the field and they're, they're two different players and can do two different things. It's hard for a defense to figure out how to prepare for that. You know, are you going to take the bruiser or are you going to take the fast guy that can hit the outside? Uh, it's also nice being able to say that we can use Aaron or, or um, Dylan there for, um, for a blocking back, yeah. for a fullback type position. Where you get him out in front because he's big enough to do that, and on that that touchdown play showed that, and I, I like that. I like that kind of run game.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny too because there is a lot of technique to it. You know, it's not just size and power and everything. There is there is there is an art to getting out in space and being able to block somebody, especially somebody like Roquan Smith. And I know I make fun of the guy a lot, and granted, he's not the strongest dude in the world. He looks bigger than you would expect, but and that's kind of his whole thing. When somebody runs at him, he doesn't do a very good job. I mean, you know. He, we see it all the time with offensive linemen. They're they're so they're, they're obviously bigger and strong, but very rarely do they do a good job blocking in space. Got people calling me about a timeshare that I don't own. Um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, they, they, the big offensive linemen, they get out in space. And yeah, I mean, if they barely get in the way and barely get a hand on somebody, they do a good job of creating some kind of space. But very often, corners, safeties, linebackers, they, they very easily get around these offensive linemen because they're so much more nimble in space. So for Dylan to to get out in space and square up and just drive him straight back into the end zone that that's again it it seems easy on his face like well yeah look how big and strong he is he should be a fullback and lead blocker but there's so much technique to it and and again he he's one on one in space with Roquan Smith and and just dominated him that's really really impressive
6: Um I'm glad he stuck with it this time uh the, the problems that I kind of saw were the defense there in the second half now i i admit i expected the bears to throw more but i mean fields ain't a thrower to be honest he is not ready to be the guy that's going to throw the ball 45 times and lead a comeback for you so they were going to run the ball and i don't think our defense did a good job of adjusting to that um i don't know what else we got going on here with the the rest of the week because i'm i'm kind of busy and i haven't been able to keep up on all your shows but uh I look forward to hearing the numbers and, and seeing what you got going on with all those. I'd like to see what the team did. Um, I like getting to watch the offensive line go out and attack instead of backpedaling and, and pass rushing all the time. I think it's better for them. Um, but outside of that, man, doing a great job. Keep it up. And I uh, hope we keep this up. Get ready for Tampa Bay coming up next weekend. All right, man. Take it easy. Bye.
1: Sounds good, man. I appreciate your call. And, yeah, a lot of the numbers and whatnot, that was all posted uh, earlier today. So if you're looking for that, you can find it. And yeah, I don't exactly know what the defense was doing as far as the the run defense. I know we were fantastic in coverage and not super great in run defense. And, and the fact that fields can't throw and the fact that our DBs were playing lights out, you would think we were, and I don't know, I, I would assume we were playing pretty heavy in the box and the fact that we still couldn't win, that's that's pretty embarrassing. You know what I mean? I mean, if if you sell out to stop the run and can't stop the run, that's a big problem. I don't know that that's what we did, but I would have to assume that's what we did because even toward the end of the game, I was begging for them to throw because I knew it would be a disaster. I knew it would be an abject failure, and it was. I mean, Fields at the end, for the first time, had to throw because, I mean, they're down. That's the only way they're going to win. And he almost throws a pick on one play, comes back and throws a pick on the next play. I mean, he's just a complete disaster. And the the other good thing is the Bears are never going to be a good football team if all you want to do is run. This isn't 1964. Again, it was, it was uh, Michael Lombardi that said, you, you run to kick field goals. If you want to score touchdowns, it's, it's big plays. That's what correlates to touchdowns, taking shots. And Fields right now just is not that guy. And if nothing, I mean, his, his confidence just seems completely rocked. And the whole monsoon excuse kind of just went out the window. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take as far as run defense. I'm sure, you know, we've got two weeks in the books now to, to kind of look back on it and um, hopefully make some adjustments. We'll see how it goes.
0: Ryan it's Dennis.
1: Hey man.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about Nate's problem with his jersey. Yes. And I think we need to take the cognitive behavioral approach. Okay. So I'm looking at your schedule here. I think what he needs to do is uh put that thing away. <clears throat> and then when you're up on the Patriots, let's get the Bucks. Put it away, uh watch the Bucks game. Uh if they win, you're like, "Wow, you know, my jersey could have took us down, or if they lose, oh, it could have been the jersey. Just forget forget about the Bucks. When the Pats come, pull it out in the fourth quarter when you're up by two scores. You see what I'm saying? When the Giants come, put it on at halftime, you know, maybe second quarter. You're going to be way ahead of those guys. By the time you play the Jets, you're wearing the jersey with pride. Everything's going smooth. This is going to take a few weeks. I think Mason's good hand. You got the commanders after that. On October 30th, you might want to save the jersey when you play the Bills and say, I'm going to wear it on Halloween. I'm not going to waste it on this football game. I'm going to wear it tomorrow night. And then uh, for the rest of the season, you know, have fun. You're going to love it. Uh, Which brings up the other thing I was going
1: to So I I do get what you're saying, but because I refuse to accept um, doing away with superstition, um, it sounds to me what you're saying is, don't allow the curse to happen when we, when we need help, right? So when you're up big against the Giants or the Jets or whatever, bring it out at halftime, and then, you know, if hopefully it's too late. That's what I'm hearing you say, because I know you wouldn't suggest that there's no such thing as these superstitious nonsense jersey things, because that, that, be, that would be silly.
0: i silly. ask you about The Bills are a team of destiny.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: they might lose one, maybe two games a season. They yeah. need to host a championship game. They know this. They're all about the Super Bowl this year, getting there, and finally winning this thing and getting the monkey off their back. But what does that do for you guys? What do you think about the end of the year? Are you starting to think about this? At the end of the year, who do you want? Do you want Garoppolo to come in? Do you want to slay that dragon? Do you want to go out there and beat those guys? What would you like to see happen for you to face off with the Bills and make this upcoming game on the 30th the preview of the Super Bowl? What are you looking for at the end of the season? I'll catch you later.
1: Well, if we're playing San Francisco and San Francisco, then I would just advise you not to watch it because we're going to lose the game. Um, unless, unless Trey Lance magically comes back from, from surgery, which I'm pretty sure he's already been declared out for the entire year, but some kind of a magical thing happens, or if Garoppolo just goes out because he seems to be the magic sauce for that team. I don't know why they get rid of him. They're garbage every time Garoppolo is not their quarterback. But uh, yeah, just just cancel that if it's if it's in Green Bay, I'll give them a shot. Although we, it's still like thirty percent that we win that game. Uh, Tampa also seems like a really tough thing. Uh, I'll take the Rams. We got a shot against the Vikings, especially if it's in Lambeau. Might even be the Lions at this point. Who knows? We'll gotta, we got to we got to see uh, what they end up doing for the rest of the season. You know, a lot of it is just matchup. Uh, I I'm quite confident the the Commanders are not going to get into the playoffs, but I would just feel uncomfortable if if we played them. They, they, it's just any team whose strength is like their defensive line. I don't want to touch it. I don't like it. Tampa, they're really good up front. I don't want to play with them. 49ers. They just, they just, they're really good in the trenches. We don't beat teams that are really good in the trenches. The Rams do have Aaron Donald, but I wouldn't say that they're really good in the trenches. They're, they're, they're a good coverage team and they're kind of a finesse offensive team and we can handle that. Tampa, the 49ers, Washington. Uh, Philadelphia seems like it would be a nightmare. They're all about the trenches. Offensive line is dominant. I'm not positive about their defensive line, so we might have a shot against them. Pass rush would be kind of lacking, but if it's a shootout, we might be okay because I don't know that their defensive line is that great anymore. So maybe Philadelphia would be okay, which at this point, and 2-0, and they're looking phenomenal. Uh, that might be a thing. Uh, Saints, I don't like. I think their offensive line is declining, but it's, again, it's that defensive line. That's where their strength is. And they got Marshawn Lattimore. They got strength on the back end, but I just I don't like New Orleans. Minnesota, again, I think we'd be okay. I I know their defensive line made us look silly, but I don't think they're actually all that great. I think our offensive line completely imploded, so I would be okay with that. LA, I'd be okay. Uh, Who else would be a team? Dallas, I think, is already out of the running, but I think I'd be okay with Dallas. We usually historically do pretty well against them. And uh, the Cardinals, I also think, would be fine. Fine. I don't know, but it's again, it's more of a finesse team. We we do great with finesse teams because we are the kings of finesse. We're not supposed to be anymore. We're supposed to be this hard hitting, you know, bullies and all that stuff. But I still feel like this is this is in Rogers' DNA. You want to play air it out football? You want to play a forty-five to forty-seven game? Rodgers likes those games. If he's comfortable in the pocket, I like our chances. And I don't know that Arizona's necessarily got the defense. To be able to scare us, so I'd be okay with that. So it's it's just teams like Tampa and the Forty ers and stuff that I, I just I don't want to do it. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll do we'll do the last one. I like to save some, but I just feel bad leaving uh, leaving Yankee New Yorker off the uh, list. No,
2: Ryan, I haven't called in a while. This hey. is Yankee New Yorker from Westchester County. How you doing, Somers, New York uh, listener? That, how about that reality check for the Vikings how listening to your about? After dark, well, he was doing a play by play. But uh, yeah. anyway, I noticed you never mentioned um, Aaron Rodgers' haircut. I, I wrote to uh, Clayton that he uh, looks like Jack Nicholson in the, the Character in The Shining. Anyway, I what? want to know what you think about his hair, anyway. And you do sound like David Letterman, by the way. Go back though
1: Okay. Um, I'll take that as a compliment. I like Dave. I can't do his laugh, and I think I tried it last time, and it was a disaster, so I won't do that again. Uh, You're right. I have not commented on Aaron Rodgers' haircut because I don't care. Honestly, everything it reminds me of, I don't want to say what it reminds me of because it's going to cause controversy. It really is. Like, if I put it out there and anybody else is like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a problem. Let's just say there are a group of people in the world that are not very well liked that like that style of haircut. I don't know. But, you know, we'll just, we'll say Peaky Blinders and we'll leave it alone. I guess it is becoming kind of a popular haircut, you know, like the, the shaved and the... It, it seems like it's becoming more exaggerated. I know a family member of mine had that and I was like, oh, you that looks weird. But now it's like very shaved and like very floppy on top and everything. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it's a weird thing, but it's, I think it's just trendy is all it is. And he's following a trend that seems weird because it's new, but pretty soon every... All the young kids are going to have that stupid haircut, which is 10 times better, to be honest, than half the things we've seen in the last 10 years. So I'm fine with it. But it's just, it's unusual. And every time a culture thing changes and you see it, you're like, you look like an idiot. And then 10 years from now, when people don't have that haircut, it's like, what are you doing? You look stupid. I don't know. Trends are weird. Uh, But yeah, as far as the Vikings, haven't had a lot of time to talk about it. I thank you for teeing me up on that. But yeah, I mean, you know, the high-flying... Why do I have a message here? Um, the high-flying Minnesota Vikings offense, right? Kirk Cousins going to win MVP, most lethal. I, I, how many times prior to week one did I talk about the Vikings, you know, granted, they have some good pieces, but it's the same pieces they had last year. I, I must have said that 50 times. What is so special about this team that's different? Nothing. And then they then they had week one and everybody freaked out, and it's like, okay, but they scored 23 points, and we handed them points. We gifted them points because our, our defense completely fell on their face. And they only managed 23. I'm sorry, but if you're an elite offense, I'm, I'm looking more at like Buffalo getting 40 points a week. I'm looking at Detroit for crying out loud. The Eagles. Teams that are, you know, scoring a lot of points. The Chiefs scoring a lot of points, I think. Yeah, where are the Chiefs? Oh, yeah, number two. There they are. I skipped down too far. Yeah, the Chiefs. Miami. Baltimore, I mean, all these teams are getting a bunch of points. Minnesota isn't. They rank 25th in points, 30 points in two weeks. They're they're, they're one point ahead of Houston and Chicago. Granted, we're only at 34, I get that. But we acknowledge it's a problem. Nobody's talking about the Packers have the most elite offense in the world. The Packers are supposed to be struggling, and the Vikings are going to have the most dominant offense. Yet the Packers, who are struggling, have four more points over two games than the Vikings have. That's weird. They have not had an impressive offensive performance, essentially, at all this year, despite the fact that everyone wants to pretend week one was. No, there were a lot of big plays that the Packers gifted them. That's it. But in today's NFL, 23 is subpar. Again, 24 to me, and I just made this up, that's just sort of an average number. 24 is boom average. Less than that is subpar. More than that, good day. They are averaging 15 points per game. Well done. Really, really well done. But, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I appreciate all the calls. A lot of great callers. A lot of great content. Things I would never even think of. So, please, I used up all the uh, used up all the calls. So, I'm going to need you to get back on the phones. Get your questions, comments, concerns in. I will talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye bye.